Servus and greetings from Vienna. My name is Anita Posch. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin und Co., my podcast that's introducing the philosophy, ideas and people behind Bitcoin. Bitcoin in Africa, the Ubuntu way. Part 5. AfriBlocks, a pan-African network for remote jobs and answering questions. Hello and welcome to the fifth part of the six-part series from Africa. Yeah, we're coming to an end soon. Last but not least, next week you will hear from a real Bitcoin OG from Botswana. In the next minutes, you'll get to know a young man from Zimbabwe, Tongai Choto. He's a software developer, entrepreneur, and as you will hear, also a Bitcoin maximalist. He has founded AfriBlocks, a global pan-African freelance platform that connects professionals across the world. In the second part of this episode, after the interview, I will answer questions regarding my African journey and Bitcoin usage from some of my Twitter followers. If you have a question too, feel free to visit the episode page at bitcoinandco.com that's bitcoinundco.com forward slash en forward slash Africa 5. There, you will find an audio recorder to record your question. Before we start, I want to thank my sponsors. This podcast special and my trip to Africa would not have been possible without my sponsors and supporters. I want to thank my sponsors first. LocalBitcoins.com, the person-to-person -person Bitcoin exchange site founded in 2012. LocalBitcoins allows you to trade directly with another person. This makes the process customizable, lean and fast, as there is no corporate overhead. You can get your Bitcoins instantly. For every trade, LocalBitcoins.com offers escrow protection to ensure the Bitcoins and both traders are safe. Thanks to Shift Crypto Security, manufacturer of the hardware wallet Bitbox02, to Peter McCormick and the What Bitcoin Did podcast, to Coinfinity, manufacturer of the card wallet, and many thanks to several unknown private donors who sent me satoshis over the Lightning Network. This special is edited by Coindesk's podcast editor Adam B. Levine and published first on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Thank you very much for supporting the Bitcoin in Africa series with your work. Thank you also to GoTenna for donating several GoTenna devices to set up a mesh network in Zimbabwe. To Stackwork.com, the place to earn Bitcoin over the Lightning Network and to Team Satoshi, the decentralized sports team for supporting my work. This special is also brought to you by the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network. If you like my work and the Bitcoin and Co. podcast, please take a minute to share it with your friends on social media and subscribe to the feed in your podcast player. You'll find the subscription links at bitcoinandco.com forward slash en forward slash subscribe. Hello, Tongai. Hello, Anita. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to do this interview with me. At first, please introduce yourself to our listeners. 
Who are you? What are you doing? What's your education? Well, my name is Tongai Choto. I'm, uh, I'm from Zimbabwe. That's where I am right now in Arari. I'm a software developer uh, and an entrepreneur. I graduated uh, 2015 from the University of Zimbabwe. I was doing computer science and math. So uh, since then, that's when I just found a, found out about uh, blockchain, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrencies. And I was at a stage where I was trying to figure out uh, what do I do next with my career, with my education. Then I found out about Bitcoin and it just uh, made sense for me to work, to use this technology. It was so amazing. I remember that night I didn't, I didn't go to, to bed. I had to read and read and read and it was so amazing to me. And since then, that's the space I've been working, uh, developing uh, different projects uh, different use cases for cryptocurrency. So right now, uh, my latest uh, startup is called AfriBlocks. Uh, AfriBlocks is a global Pan-African freelance network, and it's one of the projects that I'm doing to try to use technology, imaging technologies to use um, blockchain and cryptocurrency to solve problems that we see every single day. Let's talk about these problems you see every day. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? And how could blockchain or Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies solve that? I would like to, to talk about the problem that I'm trying to solve uh, at the moment. In Zimbabwe, basically, we have a population of about 16 million people. And uh, in Africa as a whole, about uh, 1.3 billion uh, people. And from that 1.3, about 60% is uh, under the age of 25 and uh, Africa is seen as the youngest continent in the world. When I look at this, I see so much potential that is not being given enough opportunities, enough resources, enough jobs. Because, for example, in Zimbabwe, we have uh, about a 95 uh, to 98% literacy rate. And uh, we have people who work hard, we have people who have skills, uh, graphics designers, um, software developers and all that, but we do not have enough opportunities and uh, the formal job jobs are not available. So a lot of people are, un are unemployed uh, formally. So I say to myself, why can we not create a global Pan-African freelance network? And uh, the goal of this platform is to, to firstly, we, we vet uh, people, we look for freelancers, we vet them, we train them, uh, how to communicate internationally, meeting deadlines, uh, all that. And we place them on our platform. The idea being, if you are need to need uh, a website done, we can get you someone to do it. If you need um, graphics design, all that, we can give you people who can do that. And people are actually paid for, for services. So we're not saying just give us money for, for no reason at all. We're saying your people are qualified, skilled, and talented, and all we need is, is are these jobs, all we need are opportunities, and we, we get on with it. So, yeah, that's the major problem I was trying to solve because what it does is it gives people jobs, gives people uh, uh, foreign currency. And if you look at the whole world right now, uh, there are a lot of different platforms, freelance platforms. And if you look at the world, like people are actually moving from day jobs to actually working from home. I see, I mean, we've seen right now, it's crazy, but the, the coronavirus has got all of us working from home. So I saw this as an opportunity to create a global platform 
for Africans, for uh, people who live and work outside Africa, the African diaspora, even African-Americans, because most of our clients we've been having right now are from America. They were saying, you know what, this is amazing. Uh, we want to support. I need this done. Then uh, we get uh, the job done for them. So that's that's the problem that I was trying to solve. And basically because I've been in the cryptocurrency space and the blockchain space, uh, we are looking to use um, things like con- smart contracts, payment systems to make this a global success. So you've built a marketplace uh, in a way where people from abroad can work together with African freelancers, people who do like uh, programming or writing or graphic design. Is the connection to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies the one that people from abroad then can pay people in Africa with cryptocurrencies? What was going on is um, we had issues with payments. Because locally, for example, in Zimbabwe and um, I actually checked Russia as well, there are a lot of countries that PayPal is not available in. And um, most clients in the US would pay using PayPal. So it would bring a challenge for me to be able to pay people here at this side. Cryptocurrencies are one of the, the ways that uh, our clients would say, I have a cryptocurrency, can I pay you using that? And because I've been in this space, uh, I would say, you know what, it's okay since uh, the money is on the U.S. side, for example, and in Zimbabwe, we can just still pay people in U.S. dollars because that's what's legal in Zimbabwe. Uh, we do not, we as, as, a, as, a, as a platform, we, we try to follow rules and regulations in each, in each and every country because right now we have about seven countries, African countries, people who have registered as freelancers on our platform. So, for example, in Namibia, South Africa, Botswana, Uganda, we use the regulations that are stated in that that country. So, um, yeah, payments were one of the things that we 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 still we still are solving to make sure that um, everything makes sense. You started to talk about smart contracts before. In which context do smart contracts stand with AfriBlocks? With AfriBlocks, right now is we, we did a pilot for a one-year period to try to prove the business model, like to see does this work and to try to identify issues that we might need to solve and all that. And one of the things that's the lowest hanging fruit, everyone understands a freelancer, everyone understands a client and a job, and everyone is clear what they're paying for and what they are being paid for. The bigger vision that I have to eventually start to decentralize bit by bit, this will take time because I've been in the space for a while. I don't want to create hype. I want to build the product first, then start to add on components, uh, be it artificial intelligence, to make this platform um, make work more efficiently. So smart contracts is something that I've been personally interested in. And um, if you look at it, there's um, in this model, there's a client, there's a freelancer. They agree on the job that's being done. They agree on the time it's going to take. They agree on the on the payments that need to be made. It's one of the, the things that we're looking into. Not now, but uh, we have an R&D research um department that's looking into it to see how can we integrate all these components to make the platform more efficient. If it's the contract that says the job is done, then funds are released. Probably funds are in an escrow first. If uh, the client is not happy, funds may be returned to them. All of those issues. But smart contracts do take time to make sure that you um, have solved each and every issue. 
because you know once a contract is done it's done yeah so those those are some of the the things that we're thinking about so you're basically in the research phase at the moment for these things but clients could already engage freelancers to work with them that's a great opportunity for people and companies from abroad to like support african entrepreneurs zimbabwean entrepreneurs to earn some money What are the obstacles you see for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin in Zimbabwe? Because I have heard that uh, the government has outlawed the use of Bitcoin. What's your opinion on that? I do understand how it happened because um, one of the things that uh, people need to realize is we are a country with actually rules and regulations. We have an RBZ, just like the United States, they have uh, the SEC the Federal Reserve and all that. So, and, and what happened was there was this scam that was going on or calling it a uh, triple M and a lot of people were losing money. And of course, when you lose money, that's when you reach out to the, to the regulator to say to the police, I've lost my money. So the regulator kept having these complaints and also uh, as Bitcoin was new at that time, right now it's still new. It's still very new as a technology. It's, it's something that you really need to understand before you say everyone can use it. So as a regulator, in my opinion, I saw them as trying to protect people because I was, I'm a techie person. I know how Bitcoin works. I'm a, I'm actually a software developer. I know how blockchain, all that works. But for someone to just start to use it today and uh, mistakes to happen, like for example, if you just lose your seed words, you lose all your money and uh, there's the volatility issue. So those things are only because the technology is still young and it needs to be learned. It needs to be developed uh, in such a way that it becomes scalable. It becomes uh, a technology that everyone can use without the worry of the fact that they don't know. So one of the things that we are doing right now is um, we're creating uh, what we're calling a freelancer um, training series, uh, which includes this content, training people on how to use uh, cryptocurrencies. Uh, besides them just learning how to to become a freelancer and handle international jobs. We are working on um on a hub uh in here in Harare. It's almost done. We are opening uh, I think if this uh after this uh COVID crisis if it goes away, we'll be opening to teach people on how to use this these technologies. Would you say maybe that if people have enough education and so that they can decide for themselves or estimate, you know, like say, okay, now I understand that this Bitcoin, it's unforgeable and it's not a scheme and I can uh, differentiate it from like Triple M or OneCoin, that then it would be a good possibility for people in Zimbabwe and other countries to really own their money and it can't be uh, censored or taken away. Do you see that as a positive? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a positive. Like what I was saying, blockchain and cryptocurrencies as a whole, they've gone through a bad phase. I remember there was the time where there were a lot of ICOs. Uh, there was a time there were a lot of Bit club, Bitcoin club, this. Then there was a time where people were creating a lot of other currencies and people were trading. They were, uh, you know, mining farms and people were told to pay this and that so that you become part of the mining. Then the volatility itself. I mean, we've seen it go up to, to 20, uh, to, to 18 or so, then back down to three. Then now recently it's going back up for someone who has 
who earns say a hundred dollars a month, you cannot afford to place money in Bitcoin because you can wake up and you have lost say fifteen percent of its value. So that alone makes it difficult uh, in the sense of Zimbabwe, unless you're able to say you receive it and it's logged into USD, it's logged into into another currency. So it's there's a learning curve. I do think people need to learn about it to know exactly what's going on. If someone, if someone decides to use it, I mean, it's all online. If you get the best wallets and if you understand that you need to keep your seed ways, does give a bit of, um, a bit of freedom on your money, which is, which is something, uh, that's needed, but they have to be aware of all the risks that are included as regulators, uh, I've seen about, uh, but in January, RBZ released a statement that they are learning about blockchain and, want to see how they can use it. So again, these are institutions. Uh, things take time. They don't just move and allow everyone to, to use something that they know will come back to them because now people are losing money, which, which they do not have. So, um, those are some of the issues that I think. And now a short word from my sponsors. Not your keys, not your coins. Be the holder of your keys for your Bitcoin. For that, Use a well-built hardware wallet like the Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto Security from Switzerland. With their upcoming app for Android, you can connect the hardware wallet directly with your phone and send and receive Bitcoin on the go. Check it out at shiftcrypto.ch. That's shift, C-R-Y-P-T-O dot C-H. You get free shipping with the code ANITA. Do you think that the Lightning Network could be a solution in a way because then you could have smaller payments like micropayments that also could be used by people who earn only like 10 USD or 20 USD per month? Lightning is really interesting. I experimented with an audience in Zimbabwe connected with one in Nigeria. The whole goal was to, to learn, to see how Lightning works. I think I was one of the people who used it like very early stages in uh, some of the it was only two dollars but it was lost in one of the hops and it was still uh they were still developing it but it is really a technology that you can start to use for example um sometimes we have freelancers in nigeria and uh freelancers in south africa and if you can use that that lightning network to just send payments that would be really helpful as well Again, all of it is really new technology and part of our R&D, we're really trying to, to make sure it's airtight before we recommend it to, to our freelancers because you gotta know that, like what I was saying, people here will probably, probably websites about $150. And, um, if you send that to them and it wakes up tomorrow as $130, <laughs> that's, that's not a good picture, even if everyone understands that Bitcoin is volatile. So all of those issues are some of the things that we try to protect both our freelancers and our clients. But Lightning Network is really something that I think, uh, especially in terms of payments within Africa, because if we want to make a transfer to, say, Mozambique, Mozambique or Namibia or Botswana, all countries next to Zimbabwe, you do a wire transfer. And this wire transfer goes through uh, what they call the SWIFT SWIFT system. I'm sure everyone knows the SWIFT, the international SWIFT system. And the funny thing that I realized was those transactions get approved in, in USA. And then that transaction goes to, to the country next to Zimbabwe, 
which to me is like in this day in 2020, we still get transactions approved all the way in the United States, you know. So some of those things, that's, that's why I am, uh, I'm a Bitcoin ma- maximalist. I'm, I'm pro blockchain because I think eventually this is the future, especially for, um, situations like this where we still have the legacy uh, monetary systems that are really old and problematic. Did you say before that you set up a lightning node? Oh, yeah. I think the beginning of last year, uh, I set up a lightning node. Uh, it was just an experimental to see how it works. Uh, I got some funds sent from uh, from Nigeria. They went through. And I was, was really a learning curve, uh, learning, you know, uh, how to set up one. And that time it really was... Um, wasn't that easy. Right now it's easier because they're now preset uh, nodes. Nodes are already set up. But that time we had to do it from scratch. Like you set up, you download the blockchain, you you sync, you connect to uh, an API and all that. But now it's um it's a bit easier. I think I'll actually try to do it again. Uh, then there was the time then people were purchase, passing the torch. Yeah, that was also something interesting. Yeah. And did you also get the torch? I did not. I did not. I was too slow. So it passed by. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was also too slow. So you said before, it's important for people also to exchange money to US dollar, to have currency, to buy stuff and to pay your rent and to pay food. Do you know Bitrefill? Because with Bitrefill, you can take your lightning Bitcoin and pay for airtime in Zimbabwe. Do you know that? Yes, I do. Bitrefill is one of the oldest blockchain Bitcoin startups in use cases. Like I've used it before to, to buy airtime. Local Bitcoins are another platform that has been there for a while. Yeah, because we've seen a lot of a lot of blockchain, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency startups come and go. But yeah, Bitrefill has been has been there for a while. What I have I learned when I was in Zimbabwe is that people exchange Bitcoin to US dollars in WhatsApp groups and Facebook groups. Is this a thing? I mean, is this a way to cash out money? Oh yeah, I've I've seen I've seen people do that. I've seen groups, peer to peer, WhatsApp groups. But uh, I I I cannot say I'm an expert or I know much about that. Another question I have: uh, You seem to have a good internet connection because otherwise I think you couldn't download the initial blockchain. I think internet connections and packages are very expensive in your country. Is that true? Yes, they are expensive. Like they're expensive as compared to other countries. Uh, I think it's something as a country that we need to fix because I don't think uh, data should be that expensive. The thing I mentioned about blockchain, or well, the blockchain was about fifteen gig. 15 gigabytes at that time and, uh, you know, to wait and wait until, and, uh, our connection is, um, is a bit expensive. So yeah, that's true. Uh, so people tend to use, uh, data bundles. That's why WhatsApp is really popular, uh, this side and a bit of Facebook, uh, because, uh, it's a bit cheaper than say, for example, going on YouTube and, and watching and Netflix and all that. that that's, that becomes more expensive. You said it before, I think you also are in lockdown now because of the coronavirus. Is that true? Yes, correct. Uh, the president gave us a 21-day period to just stay indoors uh, to try to to um, not get the virus because um, although we have uh, about nine uh, announced or recorded cases here in Zimbabwe, um, It's it's uh, it's precautions that the government took to say you know what uh, just stay home let's be safe 
I will be indoors uh, until 16th, 16th of April. So yeah, this is the second week now that we've been uh, we've been home and we're trying to stay home. And how is it affecting people? I mean, most of the people uh, are living hand to mouth. They they have to work. They have to earn money uh, for every day. Can you say anything about the situation at the moment? It's really difficult if you you're someone who wakes you in you in. Uh, I mean, most people are in the informal sector. So you wake up, you sell um, maybe clothes. So it's really difficult that you have to stay home because two weeks, two weeks is just, it's half a month. I mean, it's a long time for you to not do business. And this is affecting the entire world. And uh, Zimbabwe is not an exception. And I uh, really do hope uh, this whole situation calms down because, yeah, if you're someone who works day in, day out, you sell clothes today or you sell food today and That's the money that you're using to buy things next week or next day. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult. Let's get back to our topic, blockchains and Bitcoin. What are your plans for AfriBlocks in the next months? We are planning to open a hub here in Harare. And this hub is dedicated on uh, giving freelancers a uh, space to work from. It's also dedicated to to helping because uh, we've had local clients as well. We can meet up to having workshops, to having uh, basically to create a community uh, of people that we're saying, um, let's uh, help each other professionally uh, and grow this global network. So if this works locally, we, we grow into at least one more country this year. But the major thing that we uh, we need right now in the short term is our jobs. It's people who want to get things done and who can recommend our platform to reach out to more clients. Uh, so again, I was saying um, uh, graphics design, software development, web development, um, marketing, digital marketing, uh, social media, and all those all those uh, skills are there on the platform. Please tell us where people can find your website. So the website is www.afriblocks.com. So that's afriblocks uh, with an S.com. And our email, if you want to reach out to us, it's info at afriblocks.com. Uh, Super. Thank you, Tongai. Thank you very much for your time and for this interview. And I wish you all the best and stay safe. All right. Thank you, Anita. Thanks for having us. Shortly after I was talking with Tongai about Bitcoin in Zimbabwe and the regulations by the Reserve Bank, the government published a new plan to set up a cryptocurrency that should be gold and US dollar backed to stabilize their own RTGS local currency. They engaged with the private American company Apollo to build this infrastructure. Important to know is that this is a private permissioned project. That means it's not open, it's not uncensorable, and it's also not permissionless like Bitcoin. I guess the money supply will also not be kept as it is in Bitcoin. This will not prevent the money printing of the Reserve Bank. Basically, this is just old wine in new bottles. The local currency is called RTGS, Real-Time Cross-Settlement. It's already digital. The project by Apollo and the government is just a move to show we, the Zimbabwean government, are on the forefront of technology and to keep on extorting the country and the people of Zimbabwe. If you want to read more about that, the Zimbabwean paper The Standard was publishing this news. 
In the second part of the episode, I will now answer questions from my Twitter followers about the usage of Bitcoin in Africa. Before that, a short word from my sponsors. As I said before, not your keys, not your coins. The industry standard is to use a hardware wallet. But if, for various reasons, you cannot use a hardware wallet to secure your Bitcoin, then the card wallet is the solution to store your Bitcoin keys. No software updates needed, it's 100% offline and it leaves no traces on the blockchain. You can give it away as a gift or inheritance. You can send Bitcoin to it and all you have to do is to store it in a safe place. The manufacturers are the Austrian State Printing House and Coinfinity, Austria's first Bitcoin broker. Order your card wallet at cardwallet.com forward slash Anita and get 20% off the price. So here we go. Here come the questions from my listeners. Indeed is asking, what is preventing widespread usage? Tech, awareness, laws, working cheap alternatives like EcoCash, or is it fees? It's actually a mix of everything. As mentioned in part four of my African series by my guest, Zimbabwe is lagging behind in terms of tech and digitalization. The affiliate market in part three told me he has to work for companies abroad because Zimbabwean companies do not have the tools for affiliate marketing. So as much as he would like to work for Zimbabwean businesses, he can't. The other obstacle is internet availability. Although I have seen more people with smartphones than I expected, which would allow for using Bitcoin wallets, most of the people do not have access to the World Wide Web. They buy cheaper internet bundles, like a social media bundle, so they can only use WhatsApp and or Facebook. So they cannot download a wallet. Also, the cost of a full internet bundle is higher than in Austria, for instance. With an average income of 300 USD per month, you cannot afford a bundle for, say, 80 US dollar per month. And here, I'm not even speaking of all the people who have to live on 10 US dollar per month or less. EcoCash is so successful and widely used because it is free to use with no fees or subscriptions upfront. Accepting mobile money with EcoCash is frictionless. You only need a SIM card, no monthly fees, just the transaction fees. When EcoCash is down, which happens time and time again, everybody suffers. There are two other mobile money providers, but they are tiny compared to EcoCash. Not only EcoCash is down sometimes, also, swiping your bank card is not always working. At the toll station, for instance, we couldn't pay for our toll per swipe because the bank was offline, so no payment method is really reliable. For the biggest part of the population, the fees on the Bitcoin base layer would be too high too. They will never be able to pay current transaction fees, even more assuming that these will increase in the coming years. The Lightning Network, therefore, is crucial for the usage of Bitcoin for the impoverished. Awareness, yes, this is also a problem. On the one hand, many people have never heard of Bitcoin, and the other big part of the population heard that it's bad and dangerous, because many people have been scammed by a triple M or one coin. I even heard about BitClub being active here. So Bitcoin has a massive branding problem. Also, somebody else told me the internet is a white thing which is true if we think of it from the perspective of Africans. 
owning or using Bitcoin seems like a luxury, I was also told. It's too expensive and through its volatility, still too risky for most. Using it as a store of value is also a thing that only the better off can do. All the other people live from hand to mouth, from day to day. They can't afford saving. I also don't know about any solution to the topic of key management. Although one could memorize 24 English words, I personally would not want to rely on that. Hardware wallets are too expensive, and storing a sheet of paper in a high-density living area or a mud hut seems also difficult to me. Much educational effort is needed to show the good sides of Bitcoin and also for people to be able to distinguish between scams and legged ways of using cryptocurrencies. I can imagine that also the outlawing of cryptocurrency used by the government is a reason to not use it. On the other hand, everybody wants to get hold of US dollars, although the use was outlawed in the last years too. Richard asks, are there Bitcoin OGs in the community and if so, are they still actively supporting the newcomers? I'm not really sure what the definition of a Bitcoin OG is, but if it is someone who's educating a broader community since before 2015, then I would say yes, in Botswana, it's Alakanani Itireleng. She is definitely an OG. She founded the Satoshi Center in 2014 and is organizing meetups since then. She is the center and the heart of Botswana's peer-to-peer -peer exchanging. When somebody wants to change Botswana Pula or US dollar to Bitcoin, they call her. When I was there and we did a Bitcoin meetup together, we advised people installing wallets on their phones and she sent Bitcoin to the new users. Her Twitter handle is Bitcoin Lady. Feel free to donate Bitcoin to her. She is doing great things with it. In Zimbabwe, I talked to an early adopter. It seems to be a thing to have a mentor and being a mentee there. So he's supporting his mentees too. But I'm not sure how engaged he is in building a community. Peterson asks, not sure if M-Pesa is available in Zimbabwe or Botswana. But if so, why would anybody use Bitcoin instead of already available digital payment solutions such as M-Pesa? Good question, Peterson. M-Pesa is not available there. Zimbabwe and Botswana have their own solutions. Not sure about Botswana, but for Zimbabwe, I know that EcoCash is a real big thing. A private company called EcoNet is the provider. They do 99.8% of all digital transactions in Zimbabwe. In general, for payments inside the country, you wouldn't use Bitcoin instead of EcoCash today. Only very few people accept Bitcoin and as I said before, EcoCash works frictionless. Use cases I can see where you would prefer Bitcoin to EcoCash because EcoCash cannot do that is like being paid for work from abroad, remittances, permissionless transactions, for instance for imported goods, because sending and exchanging money outside the country with the bank takes days. It's a big hassle, very expensive and due to currency controls, every transaction needs to be approved by the government. More privacy would also be a use case, I think, but if you are really poor, you don't have time to care about privacy. Matt asks, did you hear anything about the website beforeward.jp and Bitcoin? Because I heard Bitcoin was being used to purchase cars on beforeward to avoid cap controls, and I would like to hear corroborating evidence and any further context. 
Yeah, I heard about before what the online marketplace for used Japanese cars. I was told that leaders of pyramid schemes used their stolen bitcoins to buy cars there, or they exchanged those bitcoin through Golics. Golics even had a bitcoin ATM in Harare where you could exchange Bitcoin in US dollar cash. When people who got scammed reported that to the government, the government shut down Golix. I saw that before what is still accepting Bitcoin payments, but I do not know if buying cars with Bitcoin is still a big thing in Zimbabwe as of today. Vitus asks, I'm interested how well people understand if their own government's money is good money for them in terms of purchasing power, inflation, etc. What share of people in your impression are asking themselves this question in these countries? The people in Zimbabwe have seen many currencies come and go since 1980. They have been stripped of their money several times in the last, say, 20 years. They lived through hyperinflation. New currencies have been introduced and bank accounts have been frozen or changed from US dollar to SIM dollar without the possibility to dispute. So everybody knows that US dollar are hard currency and everybody wants to get US dollar. People do not trust their own currency. I, of course, do not know what the majority of people think, but the ones I spoke with and explained the properties of Bitcoin to were all interested and they even knew about Bitcoin before. I think, and this is just a guess, of course, the majority of people know that the elites are ripping them off. At least one vegetable seller told me that. And the last question comes from J.P. Koning. Are Zimbabweans living overseas using Bitcoin for remittances? If so, how does this channel work? How do Bitcoin remittances compare to alternatives like Western Union? From the people I was talking with, nobody said something about remittances, to be honest. But I'm sure that this is a use case too. I talked with some people about them using Bitcoin for being paid for their digital services. They get Bitcoin sent directly into their wallets. Then if they want to exchange it to US dollar or RTGS, the local currency, there are several possibilities. Ether, and that is the complex and expensive way they send their Bitcoin to a Skrill account, from there into their FCA accounts at the bank. or and that is the preferred way because it is cheaper and much easier, they exchange it peer-to-peer -peer in WhatsApp or Facebook groups. So that's it for today. I hope you'll join me again next week. And if you like my show, please write a recommendation in your favorite podcast player. This is important and it would be really very nice of you. Thank you. If you're a German speaker and want to start using Bitcoin, then I recommend my book to you. It gives a comprehensive jumpstart into becoming a Bitcoin user with recommendations and safety tips. You can buy it on Amazon or if you prefer to pay with Bitcoin and Lightning, drop me a message at hello at anitaposch.com. Currently, I'm looking for new sponsors, so please feel free to send me a message too. For new updates, please follow me on Twitter at Anita Posch and subscribe to my newsletter at anitaposch.com forward slash newsletter. Posch is always written with a C. Thanks for listening.